No, 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 boss. Luck doesn't work that way. The world doesn't work that way. They got an electrified fence around the septic facility. Ward C is inside a civil war fort. A chief of staff with ties to the OSS funding UAG. I mean, Jesus Christ, everything about this place stinks of government ops. What if they wanted you here? Bullshit. You were asking questions. Bullshit, bullshit. Bullshit. You came here for Rachel Salando. Where's one shred of evidence that she even existed? There's no way they could have known I would have been assigned to this case. There's no way. While you were looking into them, they were looking into you. All they had to do was fake an escape, get you out here, and now they have you. Now they have us. Both. Here. Now. Alright. Let's talk about this movie <laughs> some more. <laughs> yeah! Back to episode, I think this is episode thirteen of a uh, film on the rocks. Uh, Dang, I'm I'm Brucker, and I'm joined by my buddy Levi. Levi, how you doing? Yo, doing great, buddy. How about you? Doing well. Um, if you're new to the show, uh, welcome and thank you for listening. Uh, we are a movie podcast, and yes, we do spoil everything. So please watch these movies beforehand. And we like to our motto is that movies are fun, even though we're doing one that's not so fun. But uh, there's still mm. some things that are fun about it. Uh, we like to do quotes, drinking games, uh, talk about our favorite scenes, and all what we like about these movies, and really get down to the hard questions like, what are these movies about, and how can you make another sequel for these? So today, we're talking about Shutter Island, that came out in 2010, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Michelle Williams, Mark Ruffalo, and Sir Ben Kingsley. This mm. is based on a novel written by Dennis Lehane. Um, I've, I'm a big fan of this movie, uh, but uh, what are your feelings about this movie? Have you seen this before, Levi? I have. Actually, this was, uh, officially my second time, uh, watching it. So. Oh, really? Yeah. I had only seen it one other time before this time. When, when was the first time you saw this? That's a good question. I, I saw it <laughs> with, gosh, when was it? It might've been a, maybe like a year ago. Uh, okay. my wife, uh, recommended to me cause I like movies with twists and, uh, so, so th that was an obvious one. And she just kind of in, in conversation, uh, was like, have you seen Shutter Island? And I was like, no. And she was like, oh my gosh, you haven't seen, I think actually, you know what? I think it was after we had seen, um, uh, what's the movie with, uh, gosh, I'm blanking with Christian Bale and, um, the prestige, uh, the prestige. Yeah. I just saw The Prestige for the first time, There's a, and that's a great movie. We won't go into that. But after we finished that, uh, my wife said, oh, yeah, it's. I, have you seen Shutter Island? And I was like, no. And she's like, oh, my gosh, we have to watch it. And so we watched it, and I loved it. Yeah, so this was kind of a follow-up to the, to the Prestige, and I loved it. But it was, honest to goodness, way better the second time. It is, isn't it? It's one of those yeah. movies where it's it changes so much after you watch it. Like, the first time you watch it, it's one kind of movie. And then the second time you yeah. watch it, it's a completely different movie. Oh, my gosh, dude. Yeah, you almost – this is a movie you have to watch more than once. You have to mm. watch it at least twice so you can really appreciate what they did and what they did really, really well. Exactly. And that's actually, like, one of uh, my favorite – elements of this movie is just how complex it is and how mm. everything kind of has a double meaning um yeah. it's it, it i remember the second time i saw this it hit me like a ton of bricks uh, when they first 
get to the island and uh, Teddy, we're going to be calling, just so everyone knows, we're going to be calling Leonardo DiCaprio Teddy just for the sake of conversation. We know he's really Andrew Latest, but yeah. we're just going to call him Teddy because that's what he's called. And yeah. Mark Ruffalo would just be Chuck. Uh, yeah. So anyways, Teddy gets to the island and he meets uh, the guards and, you know, you see all the guards are acting so uncomfortable around him. But the first time you watch this, you assume that this is just because, you know, there's a escaped yeah. patient. Yeah. And he goes, boy's a little on guard today. He goes, right now, Marshall, we're all tense or something like that. And it's like, oh, like you get what that means because he's one of their most violent patients. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And you kind of. I don't. I, I mean, Scorsese's a genius, so I'm sure he was aware of the fact that people are going to be wa- rewatching this film. But you get hit with a lot of that realization that everybody being aware of who Teddy actually is from the very, very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, when you know they're driving up, and Teddy says, "You know, electrified fence," and Chuck's like, "How do you know?" And he's like, "I've seen one before," or something like that. And you know, whether it's in reference to the fact that he like electrified fence during World War like during the the war that he was in World War 2 or mm-hmm. if it's in reference to the fact that he was a prisoner there and they're driving up and uh you know again the guards are all on edge and you notice that every most most every single time that Teddy says anything uh the you know the captain of the guards or whoever's in charge of you know the war uh, the warden or whoever mm-hmm. kind of looks at Chuck like and kind of chuckles and then looks back at Teddy, like yeah, that like you're aware of these little things they put in. Even whenever they come up to the gate, and the warden is like, "I'm gonna need your guns. It's protocol." Teddy takes his out right away, and hands it over, and is like, "Oh yeah, like he knows how to use a gun because he fought in a war." And, mm-hmm. and uh, he actually Chuck, was a, a marshal, but yes, he was yeah. actually a marshal. He's he's used firearms before. We get to see him use that quite a few times, where he's very familiar what it looks like to to unload and load a gun and for carrying something and whatever. And he takes it out right away and Chuck fumbles with it. And it's like having a hard time yeah. getting out of his pants and the warden kind of like rolls his eyes or whatever. And you kind of just think it's, you, you don't really think about it, but Chuck like a little is bit of comedy. Yeah. A little bit of comedy. You think it's comedy, but it's like, yeah, the first time you see it, you th- you right. You're it just is. like, Oh, a little bit lightheartedness. And you're like, Oh boy, you know, the, the new guy, but Chuck mm-hmm. is a psychiatrist. He, like he doesn't understand how to use a gun or how to unholster or pull everything out. So just those. I mean, again, Scorsese's a genius. I'm gonna say the phrase Scorsese's a genius multiple times during this podcast because the detail is incredible. Yeah, it is. It is incredible. And we also need to give credit to uh, Dennis Lehane who wrote the book. Um, I read this book sometime last year, and the movie it's it's very close to the book. Uh, there's some things that are a little bit different, such as um, there's more dream sequences in the book, and the dream sequences that we did get, they were a lot, they're a little bit longer in the book, and some yeah. of them are also more sexual. Um, really? The, like what? Yeah, uh, more sexual. Uh, just you know when he kind of has these images with uh, daydreaming about his wife and whatnot, and oh, she's kind of gotcha. like tempting cool, cool, him cool. with stuff. Sure. Um, sure. There's also the ending is slightly different. I don't I don't know if I want to spoil it on here in case people want to go read the book. Uh, so oh, sure. Go sure. read the book if you want to see how the ending differs somewhat. Uh, yeah. But it's it's really good. And uh, there's uh, the book also kind of starts out with him as a kid uh, 
Teddy, I mean, as a kid, but very briefly. And mm. he has this fear of water since he was a child, actually, because his dad was oh. a fish was a fisherman, and his dad you know was really hard on him and tried to train him to be a, a fisherman, I believe. But he was kind of bad at it. My memory's a little fa- a little fuzzy because it's been a year. But uh, so it kind of th- so water and fire is a big thing in this movie. Right. Um, so we'll get into that in a little bit, but yeah, so the book's really good. And so, but so all like these really cool double entendres that we kind of get through, uh, you know, Dennis Lehane did put into the book and Scorsese did a great job of executing that, uh, on film. Oh, uh, I was watching an interview with Scorsese and he said that uh, he got the script and he didn't, you know, he sat down like late one night to kind of just skim through it. Wasn't really expecting to finish the whole thing. Uh, in that sitting, he said he ended up, he got like just, it was so gripping, he just had to finish it. And then the next day, he read it again. He's like, oh my gosh, like this is, because, you know, it's kind of like what we were just talking about. Second time him going through it, he goes, oh man, like mm. this is just a completely different story the second time you go through it. And so he really kind of realized how, just, you know, how how great this was and how much detail and care. And he said that, uh, the character Teddy needed to carry a lot of emotional weight. To uh, the actor, you know, portraying that needed to carry a lot of emotional weight. And he had recent, uh, he had worked with Leonardo DiCaprio a handful of times before this. Uh, and he said that really, when he worked with him on The Departed, because you know he also had to play a very complex character in that. He said he would, he was the first actor that came to mind. No kidding. I mean, I, I'm sure Leonardo DiCaprio is on the list for everybody whenever they're making any kind of movie. Whenever you're talking about the water, though, that, that I, I remember watching it uh, and kind of concluding mm-hmm. that his fear of water was based on the fact that his children had been drowned in water. And so there's just kind of like this residual like desire to forget, and it makes him sick because it's these memories are constantly trying to come back, but he's suppressing them. Um but that kind of mm-hmm. adds that extra layer that not only did he have a fear of water growing up, but it kind of culminated in the death of his children. And so it is extra, yeah. extra heavy. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the benefit of having a book, like a plot built in a book as opposed to a, you know, two, two and a half hour yeah, movie. So I think uh, the, in, like in the book, because again, you, you, the reader, aren't exactly aware of all the twists that happen in this. So his fear of water stemming from when he was a kid kind of helps you justify some things maybe throughout the story about like why, like to pretty much support that he isn't crazy that like, Oh yeah. You know, this makes sense that he, uh, that he avoids water because he, um, has a fear of it. But in this movie, you kind of don't get that. It's very subtle. Uh, some examples of that, uh, throughout the movie about his aversion to water is that, um, there's this one. Mm. There's that scene where he, him and Chuck sit down with Mrs. Kern, and when yeah. she asks for a glass yep. of water, you see through his POV. She picks up the glass and drinks it, but through Teddy's POV, there's nothing in her hand. It's just nothing, and then yeah, there's right, no glass. And it's him subconsciously just yeah. not looking at the water. Um, and and again, we kind of see this because, and of course, water is the truth about him his you know his family was was drowned and he you know killed his wife because she drowned his kids and everything so that's why he has this aversion to water and i think that makes sense to why he came up with this fantasy tale about andrew 
or you know this fake Andrew Latis who burnt down the the apartment building that they lived in and that's that, that fire he started is what killed his wife and fire is the opposite of water so I think that's kind of interesting and right. how like and also so with that flames and smoke all kind of represent lies that he's telling himself throughout this um kind of mm. like when he's in the uh the cave with this well i, I want to get your opinion on this but uh the cave with what were presumed to be a hallucination yeah. of the real rachel salando and when she's telling him all this feeding him all this fake information about the facility how you know they're they're creating drones to go out and do their bidding and you know all this stuff as she's telling this there's there's a fire in between them and you can see like the fire kind of like flicking over her face from his pov and i think that's really i think that's still kind of showing how much pretty much whenever fire smoke is present it's kind of like this is a lie or this is deception and water's supposed to be you know pure kind of washing away that telling the truth um it has okay i don't know if scorsese has ever made a comment on this before that woman who is presumably uh rachel is a hallucination uh, a hallucination like is that something that we know for sure i i think it is um, I was going to ask yeah. you your opinion if you if, if you're in that camp if you thought that she was a hallucination or not. Yeah, I do. I do. I think that she is a hallucination. Um, and I guess we're we're this is kind of skipping to the end a little bit, but it helps. It, it's good for me to understand kind of where you see this, how you see this whole movie. Um, do you think that in the end, and we're you know, granted, we'll go through the whole movie, but this is just like in the end that the conclusion is that he. Uh, that Teddy realizes who he is and comes to terms and he's actually, you know, he, everything that they said happened, happened and he's coming to terms with it. And he, you know, has this presumable lapse again, or that he actually does regain his sanity. And that quote at the end where he's like, is it better to live as a monster or or to yeah live as a monster or die a hero where he actually does gain his sanity or <laughs> do you think that everything is an actual setup and this is something that while we were watching uh uh my wife was talking about and I was like I hadn't even thought about this before what if he actually hasn't been there for these 2 years and he actually you know the the date is like whatever 1954 and this whole ruse, you know, he was, he's a U.S. Marshal, and they kind of have this fake crime and actually bring him over. And then through this process, they convince him that he's crazy. Oh. And he's like, hey, you, you killed your wife, and you've been here for two years, and so you need to make peace about that. And he's like, oh, my gosh, you're right. I can't believe I've been lying to myself. But in actuality, that is the first time he's been there, and they just convince him to stay, and then they essentially you know go into his brain and put him down or whatever like it is actually a ruse and that woman who is in the cave uh who is rachel is actually rachel and this it's all real but they trick him into thinking that it's all fake i think that's it's you know i think that's fun to think about it's fun to be like no you know he is the hero and he is the whole facility is the villain and we need him to escape and everything. I think that's fun to yeah. think about, but I, I, I don't buy into that, uh, into that idea. I, <laughs> I think it really is that 
they they say that he is Andrew Latus and that he did kill his wife because she killed his kids and um he's you know just fallen into this fantasy world that they describe and at the end i think that he is he did not fall back into his fantasy world but he just pretended right. to because he he as andrew decided that he should be lobotomized because I, I i think that they did a better job at convincing him that he's dangerous more so than mm. he needs to come back to reality um just because you know, they do explain how he is the most dangerous patient they have and they kind of, sh- you know, you right. see but how... But are they just saying that because they want him to think that <laughs> or because it, he actually is the most dangerous person? Oh, he. I think he actually is. I mean, we see that throughout the movie. There's how aggressive he is. I mean, uh, that's mm. one of the things I love too is how, again, this is like one of those nice subtle details that you see. Like um, the first night they're there and they go to Dr. Colley's study and he's asking for the patient files and they're saying that no absolutely not we can't give you the patient files and he kind of loses right. it and chuck has to calm him down yeah. and chuck kind of like side eyes to collie like man we he almost went off the rails there like what what would we have done um right and then again we see him doing that in ward c where he yes he's like he's going through self-defense but i mean like he literally started to choke the guy to kill him at one point uh right so uh, that seeing his aggression you see his aggression throughout this whole movie and that's something that i thought was really key to was another thing that uh support supported how aggressive he was was that whole car ride he had with the warden about how they had this whole conversation mm. about god's gift yeah. of violence yeah i mean if you work in, if you work in a psych ward like that and you're kind of a kind of cynical to humanity to begin with and then all of the humanity that you see is just these people who are in this mm-hmm severe pain mental pain i I mean that's that's i'm sure that you're just gonna fall deeper and deeper into that cynical ideology of how humanity works that we're all just kind of animals so would you say that then so you're saying it's real i'm you know for the record i'm kind of playing devil's advocate a little bit i do think that i do think that rachel in the cave Mm -hmm. is a hallucination um because you know he goes down the cliff and he thinks that chuck has fallen to his death but he's not there um do you think that because of that, do you think that he relapses and then kind of walks to his death? Or do you think that he has regained his sanity but just chooses to die because he doesn't want to live his life in that uh, prison? I think that he, you know, gained his sanity back and then chose. I think I think it's like what the quote is. You know, um, is it better to, yeah. to live as a monster or die as a good man? And I think he... That's literally what he chose to to just die, quote unquote, you know, just be lobotomized as a good man. Um, I, 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 right. but that's an interesting way to think about it that he just didn't want to be in this, you know, just living in a cell in Ward C and just be dealing with that. Maybe if he's lobotomized, he wouldn't care about it anymore. That's something I didn't think about. That's interesting. Or that he, you know, he's aware. I mean, I, again, uh, he's in his analysis, his psych analysis, he's incredibly intelligent. I mean, he's, he fought in a war. He was, uh, you know, even after a war, was was good enough to be a U.S. marshal. Like he's clearly, you know, highly mm-hmm. skilled at what he does. Um, and I'm sure he crunched the numbers. You know, I, this is a lot of assuming, but uh, it, in that position, he's aware of the fact that, you know, he's sitting on his bed, and he's like, I've, you know, I'm, I've, I've, 
I, I know what I've done. I know I killed my wife because he killed our children, or because she ch killed our children, and blah blah blah. Do Dr. Colley is like, well, this has happened before. You relapsed. You know, the, the, nine months ago we had, you know, some progress, and then you relapsed again. So I'm sure that he's kind of, uh, on his own terms, kind of cutting mm -hmm. the tape on the recording, and is like, you know what? I'm gonna end my life right here, on yeah, kind of on my own terms. Um, cause I don't want to have to go through this again. Plus, I mean, the poor guy keeps relapsing because he doesn't like living with the fact that his wife killed mm -hmm. his kids and the fact that he holds on to the weight that he killed. He in, in, uh, by proxy in his own mind killed his wife and his kids by not seeking help in time for his wife. So it's, I don't know. I always kind of see it as this layered, like. I don't want to have to relapse and I would rather die with the knowledge that I am in the moment, but I don't want to keep carrying the weight of the fact that I, uh, by proxy killed my wife and children. Yeah. It's just that quote is so damning, you know, I think that he says right before, uh, he, he decides. So I think, yeah, but kind of like what you're getting at, his motives could be different about why he chooses to, be lobotomized as a good man but interesting interesting mm, point anyway yeah i skipped to the end you know because i just wanted to know our you know right. thoughts as we kind of but to rewind back they are yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that was a, back to the beginning that's what vcr sounded like back in oh, the day gosh, in case y'all didn't know that was a <laughs> do you do you miss vcrs broker i miss i, I miss that time uh oh you know what no, I don't. I miss... <laughs> no, I, I miss the '90s, sure, but yeah, no, sure, I don't yeah, miss yeah. VCRs. Like rewinding was such a pain in the ass. Uh -huh. I will say, if you were trying to like rewatch like one part over and over, it's a lot easier on VCR than it is digital, like DVD or digital. But yeah, yeah, no, VCRs are pain in the ass, and also like your tapes got all messed up occasionally. Like I don't know if that ever happened to you, but mine. Honestly, like, no, I never did. Like, was, would they would they roll out or would they break or whatever? Yeah, I guess I just wasn't a careful kid, because uh, <laughs> you know, like the tape was like <gasps> going across in the back, and like I would, I don't know, I always kind of like mess it up sometimes, or like when you're injecting it, it sometimes gets snag snagged on the inside. Uh, I think you just had a really shitty VCR. Probably, I probably did. <laughs> uh, we were poor, so yeah. So. <laughs> oh no, man! Come on. <laughs> No, dude, no. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're, we're gonna get off this podcast, and you're gonna you're gonna be sitting there and be like, "Oh my gosh, Levi reminded me how poor I was." All right, no, I'm pop in my no. my VHS of Shutter Island, and then just and then <laughs> cry myself to sleep. So, did you have like a did you have a VCR rewinder, like those things that you could like, and it would rewind it for you, or did you have to keep it in the VCR and just like let it rewind itself? I had to keep it in the VCR. Dude, yeah, may, gosh, I, maybe I just had a really privileged life. I had rich one of those. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> that's what they. Hey, yeah, it was my nickname in high school. They called me Old Rich Boy, Rich Boy Levi. They called me. <laughs> um, but the, the, it was like the the thing that you kept. You know, you know, your shelf of VCRs like books, and you mm -hmm. you know pull it out and and instead of having to we you know for most of my life we would just rewind it in the uh, in the VCR. But then when I got into I think it was like middle school late middle school early high school we got one of those vcr rewinders which really is kind of late to get a vcr rewinder but i can remember just being 
in awe of the fact that I could put it in, smack it down, and it would rewind it for me, and I could just leave the room. And then when it was done, it would pop out, and then I would come back in the room later, and I'd put it away. <laughs> Must have been nice. Must have been. <laughs> it is, dude. Yeah, it's it, life. Yeah, the land of conveniences. That's just the, the way it? I lived. Didn't you used to like get slapped with like a small fee from Blockbuster if you returned a VHS unrewound? Um, I don't. I just remember I like remember. those stickers, you know, be kind and rewind. But I didn't. I don't know if you got slapped with a fine, like a like a twenty five cent fine or something. I can't remember. If you did, I never paid for it. It was my parents, <laughs> you know. So it wasn't any skin off my teeth. But I was such like a a kid who was so worried about what everybody else would think about him. I still am a kid that worries about what everybody else thinks about him. But I, you know, would rewind. Man, it's just been all green lights for you, Levi. Uh, it's been uh, all what, green lights, uh, all what, already, re, already rewound v, VHSs. I it's know, so right? Kidding. I just like, no, I would, that's less, yeah. I, what, what can I say? Just an easy, yeah. <laughs> what, if, what if that's the measurement of how successful your life is? Is, did you open up, would you open up a Blockbuster uh, uh VHS and it was already rewound. Yes or no? And if you hit no, they're like, "Oh, you poor soul. You've had a hard life. You poor soul. You poor oh, sap." <laughs> no, but like I would, I would always rewind the tapes. You know, honestly, you know, when you're a kid, the the base of why you do anything. You know, I wasn't doing it because I was like, "This is the right thing to do." It was really just because I want to make sure my mom and dad are happy and are proud of me or blah blah blah. But. You know, it was kid. I know, man. That's all it was. But I mean, it's not like, is it really good if I'm not doing it for good reasons? It's just like, I don't want mom and dad to be mad at me, you know, or whatever. But, uh, I, I honestly, uh, I miss, I miss a VCR. DVDs don't last as long. I mean, now everything's digital and you can just like download it onto your, you know, Xbox or your switch or whatever. Um, I would say it's been pretty awesome. Just purchasing movies off youtube and just keeping them in my collection because now like yeah. i can access them like when i'm at work or anywhere it's pretty sick actually i need to start doing that i'm such an old soul i like to have the hard copy like when battlefront 2 came out for the xbox i everybody was like buy it digital buy it digital but i was like yeah but i like being able to put my own disc in the in the you know the xbox that's my like, disc that's my fingerprints on it yeah, yeah this is my <laughs> don't touch it yeah no man i dude i literally have I'm looking at it right now on my bookshelf next to my desk. I literally have two copies of the original Battlefront 2 and a copy of the original Battlefront 1 back in the mid-2000s. Because Dude, I got those two, I, and I got NFL Street 2. That doesn't go into anything right now until it's backwards compatible. But NFL Street. In conclusion, I there's a lot that I miss about the old days, but modern medicine is way, way too good right now for me to go backwards. <laughs> right. Uh, speaking of modern medicine and going backwards, let's go back to 1954 for Shutter Island. <laughs> nice segue. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm <laughs> but bad at that. No, uh, dude, it was good. That's good. Let's uh, let's talk about our drinking rules. Uh, yeah, this, man. Because you know what? Uh, it, it's in the name of our podcast, Film on the Rocks. Uh, Film on the little, Rocks. Little, yeah. little picture, so a glass of whiskey right there. Yeah. Um. So this was again. Our motto is that movies are fun, and I still think that this is a fun movie, despite oh, dude for sure you know, w- w- what this centers around, you know, mental health and everything. But I still right. think this is a fun movie. Uh, so, but the drinking rules were a little bit challenge- challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll kind of just go through mine, and maybe and give you some examples of maybe when you'll 
use them. Uh, so my first rule was whenever Teddy's anger shows up, I kind of talked about this, about how he gets really pissed uh, pretty easily about how uh, they won't give him access to the patient files uh, again. And when he's in ward C, he's choking out that guy after, you know, again, it's self-defense, but he went pretty extreme very quickly. Um, and so you kind of just see how, how like his anger kind of shows up. Uh, last part, uh, last example I'll kind of give for that is uh, the last talk he has with Chuck on the cliff and he's talking about climbing down to get to the lighthouse and uh, Teddy wants to go by himself and Chuck's like, no, I'll come with you. And he just grabs him by the shirt real quick. Like he's about to punch him. He goes, no, I'm going to go by myself. Yeah. And I was like, man, that was very aggressive. Yeah. Um, uh, duh, duh, duh. My second rule was uh, every time someone says Marshall, uh, mm. th- just, you just kind of hear that throughout the whole movie. Marshall, Marshall, Marshall. Uh, yeah. My, f- I think my, this I don't know. This isn't a funny part of the movie, but it always gets a little chuckle out of me. Um, it's in the beginning when Teddy and Chuck are doing their first uh, uh, sweep of Rachel Salando's cell. Mm. And they're looking for clues or whatever, mm. and Teddy like he shoves the bed out of the way. He looks underneath this piece of wood, and he does hear Doctor Colley go, "Marshall!" Like kind of like, "What the fuck <laughs> are you doing?" And, <laughs> yeah, and he finds that I don't know why. It's just the way he says it is pretty funny um <laughs> um i also had every time dolores shows up uh this could be in in the dream sequences and also what i find interesting about dolores showing up is that she f- only sh- at the beginning of the movie the first half she only shows up in his dreams but then in the second half of the movie she starts to show up while he's awake and kind of like daydreaming almost mm. um so i had that uh also had for whenever you notice the guards or staff members are acting funny around him mm. kind of like how they're a little bit on edge around him or they're saying things that are double meaning darting eyes to uh to chuck who is dr sheehan uh you kind of you see that throughout the whole movie oh yeah uh, and it's kind of really fun if you pick it up um also the my last rule was whenever smoke or fire appears on the screen so there's a lot, you know, there's, you'll be surprised. Like there's lots of fires, uh, scenes in this, like we said, like the, 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 the scene in the, in the cave with Rachel Solando. Also, there's a fire going on behind Andrew latest mm. in his, uh, dream sequence. And also there's lots of people like Dr. Colley lighting his own pipe and smoke billowing out from that and him lighting mm. or, people lighting cigarettes for him so lots Mm. of fire in this too Hmm. um so yeah so those were some of my drinking rules those are good um i we had a couple overlaps like you said you know when they're darting eyes at each other um Mm -hmm. um like when when you notice that they're like it goes from you know an ex uh, uh an investigation to an act like when you kind of are aware of the Uh, fact that that uh, Chuck is looking at the doctor and they're kind of, you know, Chuck stands on one side of the table or, or you know, whatever. Oh, like I, I uh, in the shots, you mentioned this, um, uh, the glass of water, the, the, the woman whose name escapes me uh, and she's got to get asked for the glass of water. And this is Kearns. This is Kearns. And they're interviewing everybody like Mrs. Kearns. If you look at the shots behind the person they're interviewing and the, yeah, the, the shot of Teddy. And then the shot of Chuck, 
there's a guard behind the the con the inmate there's a guard behind uh teddy but there's not a guard behind chuck and it just kind of gives you a hint off the bat they're like oh we're we're, we're very aware of what's going on but stuff like that where kind of you're pulled into the plans of the psych ward and aware you're like oh, okay yeah oh wow oh i see what they did there I'll take a drink for that um Stuff like that makes me so giddy. Just, oh yeah, uh, it, I, I'm smile. I'm like I'm, I'm ear to ear right now, smiling, just thinking about what you just thought of, and it's just brilliant visual storytelling mm-hmm. that they brought us. So Scorsese's a great, genius. Great point. He is a genius. Great point. Uh, when you question whether or not something's real, so you see uh, Rachel in the caves, you're like, is that real? You see Chuck on the ground below, you're wondering if that's real. Most of these rules, you some of these you can do your first time watching it. But uh, if you're listening to this podcast, it means that you've already watched it. So I think most of these rules should be done, considering that there's a big twist at the end or what have you. Um, you should probably do this your second watch through. Um, Maybe like you could you could do that for like whenever you think Teddy's questioning if something's real. Oh, like, sure. Or you're just like Chuck falling down, or sure, he sure, thinks sure. his his toy gun is a real gun and things like that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I also had whether, uh, whenever, um, Teddy is offered and or smokes a cigarette, um, which is quite often, Mm, that's a good one. Um, and every time there is some sort of, uh, explicit language screamed in a, uh, Boston accent, uh, (laughs) so, which happens more times than you think where you have, uh, I mean, I'm, my, my Boston accent is, is is offensive at best so i will i will not i will not try it here but i it's you know anytime they they scream bullshit or scream you know throw down a gd or mm-hmm. whatever they're like uh in their very thick accents take a drink um but yeah that's all right, i had it's yeah. very this this show or i said show this 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 film flows so beautifully it's hard it to really just kind of have like blocked out moments because it all just mm-hmm. kind of is sewn together very seamlessly. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a, you know, so, the fact that it's hard to find, you know, favorite, like even favorite scenes, there isn't like a scene, like one scene. It all just kind of is, Oh, the times when this happens or whatever. Uh, that's you know that's a that's mm-hmm. a salute to filmmaking for sure. I'm I'm glad that it's difficult. Oh yeah yeah, picking out scenes is uh you know it, what you were just saying about how this movie flows so well. It does and it does. Um, at the same time, I also feel like that this movie it's kind of like three movies in one. Uh, we have the first act where it's this mystery noir noir uh, uh movie where you know it, it's just a it seems like a cut and dry. These two detectives are hired to find an escaped prisoner. Right. And then it turns into this thriller of, oh, there's something fishy going on at Ashcliff, and we need to figure out what's going on, and we need to get out of here, Chuck. So it kind of turns into this thriller. We need to get out of here. Right. And then it ends with, with a tragedy. And mm-hmm. is this, oh, wow, this this guy's a tortured soul, and he's been through so much, and you know, he gets lobotomized at the end. It's kind of like, it, it's a whirlwind. Um, uh, the first time you saw this, uh, what was your reaction to, uh, well, we'll, we'll I'll kind of 
while we're talking about scenes, kind of jump to one towards the end. Uh, what was your reaction to the lighthouse scene when Teddy, you know, barged in and Dr. Colley is trying to explain to him the truth? Like, wh- like before, like we really find out everything, like during this exposition, were you like, no, no, Teddy, don't listen to them. He's, he's lying to you. They're trying to trick you. Or were you like, oh, wow, this is what's really happening. What, what were you, what was your thought process going through that? Uh, when I, when I first, when I, you're saying when I first watched it, like not aware of what was actually yeah. happening, I, 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 when I, when it started happening, like when he busted in and he was sitting there at his desk and he said, uh, what was he said? Why, why are you all wet, baby? baby yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah. Baby, why are you all wet? I was like, oh my gosh, you know, aware of the, that that's a quote from his own brain. Um, I was cued pretty quickly that I was like, that, that. Teddy was um, going through something, and so it it was less. Oh my gosh, you have to get out of there because we're all very aware that Teddy is kind of this tortured soul. I mm-hmm. I started you know, being like, what? Oh my gosh, what a twist! I had no idea. That's crazy, you know. So yeah, I I I was I just kind of I rolled with the fact that it was a twist. What about you? Oh, I was I was fighting it. Oh, actually, I was kind of on the fence. I was like, wait, what's going on? Like, my head was hurting. Because huh. <laughs> uh, I was, because I kept trying to think of all the things to support that. No, no, no. He, he's a good cop. Like, like this shouldn't be happening to him, you know? Mm. And my biggest thing was like, I was like, they can't explain Chuck. Chuck is his partner. Like, like they can't just explain away Chuck. And then he comes in saying that he's his doctor. And he's been his doctor for two years. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, he is crazy. Yeah. Uh, so I was, yeah. So I was still just, so yeah, it really kind of blew, blew my mind. Cause I was, I was just feeding into, oh yeah, no, they're giving him pills. They're giving him cigarettes. Like they've been drugging him and all this stuff. And then, yeah, that, then everything got flipped upside down. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And uh, like I said, the second time I've got this list of things while I was watching the movie, I just, kept writing down things that I noticed. You know, we've already talked about mm-hmm. uh, the the moments where when uh, Teddy gets angry and they kind of take a step back to like, oh my gosh, you know, or um, mm-hmm. or Chuck pushes him against the wall whenever um, that nurse playing Rachel starts like grabbing at him or whatever and kind of like yeah. moves him out of the room. Um or even when uh, the the moment whenever they're having that uh, kind of that powwow and they're interviewing all of the orderlies and the nurses and the doctors, and oh, that's uh, that's a good scene. It's a really good scene, and Teddy's questioning all of them, and they're clearly just kind of they, like uh, uh, one of the nurses made a comment like, "Oh, they always comment about hating the food," and everybody mm-hmm. laughs because it's clearly in reference to him. Apparently, he complains about the food all the time. Uh, while he was there and the uh, or like if ever uh, a nurse or an orderly was talking Chuck would be kind of hovering over them near them and then whenever Mm -hmm. Teddy would start talking he would walk back behind Teddy and then he'd walk over just kind of and then they mentioned uh, Dr. Sheehan uh, or Sheehan is it Sheehan yeah Dr. Sheehan yeah Sheehan Uh, Dr. Sheehan and they they uh they said, where's Dr. Sheehan? And everybody starts looking around, and they're like, oh. Uh, and the doctor jumps in and is like, oh, he oh, he left. He's he's not here right now. And they kind of roll yeah. with that. Or if they mention Dr. Sheehan to the, in the uh, 
uh, interview uh, in the cafeteria, and she's like, oh, he's he's wonderful. He's a nice man. He's easy on the eyes, and she gets really nervous because that's, like, <laughs> one of the doctors, and uh, just stuff like that where they, like, all of a sudden get nervous about Dr. Sheehan, and he's standing in the room. Uh, yeah. I, all of that I thought was so, so good, and oh, my gosh, this... I, I don't know when when they go into uh the room the presumably Rachel's uh room for the first time you see this uh darker part of the floor kind of in a in a uh in an L shape almost and it's okay and you can see that it's the area it happens to be the sp- the place where Teddy is like stomping his foot like checking for loose boards or whatever so clearly uh, I mean, I say clearly, it's just kind of how he has been stomping on that area looking for loose boards for a repetitive amount of time. I don't know how many times they've done this experiment on him, maybe for two years straight, but that floor is clearly worn away from him doing it over and over and over again. And I think that's a really good point. I think they said that this is the second, like us watching the movie, this is the second time that they've attempted this on him. Oh, really? But that's a really good point because I always wondered how did they know that he would look under that board? But like what yeah. you're talking about, that makes complete sense now that they're like, okay, we we should hide something there because he always goes to that spot. Yeah, maybe it was just that in his own cell, he was like, I got to get out of here. I'm a, I'm a marshal. Someone yeah. killed blah, blah, blah. And he's stomping around there looking for a way out mm-hmm. or, you know, exploring or what have you. Um, and you know, getting nervous about uh the uh whenever they go to search for Rachel and she's missing, and they're walking around and all the cops are just kind of sitting around throwing rocks and kind of just loitering mm. and laying down, clearly with no urgency of finding anybody, and you kind of right. you kind of see Teddy looking around like a little confused, being like, "What? There's, I mean." Of course they didn't find her. They're not... He looks disappointed. Yeah. 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 And it's because they're like, oh my gosh, we're out here and it's going to rain and they're keeping us out here or whatever. Uh, and the last... Oh, I was just going to add to that scene that you're talking about. The first time I saw it, I kind of just took it as, oh, you know, these guys, are a couple, these these uh, security guards, they're just a couple of schmucks. They're not right. U.S. Marshals like Teddy. So that's why like, and also probably they probably looked already. So they're like, Ugh, this is useless. That's how I took it at first. I did too. Same. But it, it just make the layers, yeah. it just makes more sense, the fact that uh, they, they're yeah. aware that this is all fake. The last one I had uh, that was just kind of glaring was whenever they finally make it into Ward C and they're searching mm. for uh, patient 67 or whatever it was. And uh, they walked past the cop and he was like, you have no idea what goes on in here. The 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 stuff I've seen... You know, there are crazy people in here. Y'all better be careful. And they walk past him, and he kind of runs down the hallway, kind of giggling to himself. Like like he's yeah. he's put on this show for them, and he's just kind of like, ah, oh, that's hilarious. Um, just the little stuff like that that they didn't have to put in, but they did. And just to give the people that know what's going on this, like, oh, yeah, like, of course. Like, he's putting on a show, and he kind of walks away being like, oh, this crazy person that I've seen for two years straight thinks that I'm some person he doesn't know, and I'm tricking him. And I don't know. It's just, again, Scorsese's a genius. See, I interpreted that differently than you, that part. How you mean? I took that as – so I took that as that guard thought that they that those two were legitimate uh, orderlies that they weren't that like I assume that he wasn't in on the loop that was just my assumption and that 
when you so he like was just giving them actual advice about you know be careful because these guys will kill you mm-hmm. and then when he walks off and you hear that laughing it was a patient laughing somewhere else that's oh. how i took it but that's interesting so i mean i guess at least that effort i guess that you can interpret it how you want to because i don't know if you can definitely tell where the laughing's coming from but that's interesting that's that you and i took that yeah. very small thing differently i mean i would be surprised i mean if he doesn't recognize teddy uh, that I guess that kind of makes sense, but like Chuck is, you know, they they had all of the orderlies in that room, and there's not a ton of them in there because they they only have like sixty something patients, sixty seven patients. So I don't know. I feel like it would be hard for him to not recognize Chuck as for the fact that he's a. Uh, That's a good point. Yeah, for the fact that he works there. Some of the stuff that I really liked, uh, I loved a lot of the stuff in the beginning. Um, mm. just starting off with them on the ferry coming over and uh, you just you see the ferry come through the fog which to me is kind of just in a way symbolizing just how how foggy this story really is that they're that we're about to embark oh. on. and and also the music just coming through you know the dun, 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 it's just it just sounds like impending doom yeah. as they're getting closer to shutter island yeah and just the whole way up there is crazy and then uh, it's just so good and we already talked about this a bunch but you know just whole you know yo yeah we're all on we're all tense right now marshall and everything yeah. and um when they're first meeting with dr collie and they're going through the 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 disappearance and they're looking at her cell and everything the the music changes to to a little bit more um it's kind of like mystery and like you know like what's what, what's going mm. on kind of like it's set of so much impending doom yeah. uh it was just real interesting uh i just love i just love it so much uh one thing that uh, stuck out to me uh, again was when they were in rachel's fakes or rachel's cell looking for stuff and uh teddy finds that thing that says law uh law of four mm. And he looks over to Kali and he goes, is that a psychiatric term? And I, don't, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it was just the way that Leonardo DiCaprio delivered that. Is that a psychiatric <laughs> term? Like, uh, it's, it sounded funny. What? Okay, I'm blanking because I know that this 67th patient, uh, Law 4, what is that? I forgot. Law 4 was the – so the anagrams. So uh, Andrew Latis yeah. and – Dolores Chanel, so like those four first and last names, so those four names, those being anagrams okay, of each other. Okay. And also, the title Shutter Island is an anagram of truths and lies. Oh my gosh! No way. Yeah, I don't know. If that's on purpose from uh, uh, Dennis Lehane, who wrote the book. But uh, yeah, that it is an anagram for truths and lies. Oh my gosh! I am testing that theory right now. Oh my gosh, you're freaking right. That is crazy. Again, that was just me looking at the trivia. I I swear I don't have a whiteboard in my living room with me just going over these crazy theories. But <laughs> that's so crazy. That's crazy. Oh my gosh, that is nuts. I'm blown away by that, Brooker. I'm freaking out. I think I might put a whiteboard in my room just for that. That's crazy. Oh my gosh, it's so good. It's good, like, dude, like we need more movies yeah. like this. Oh my gosh, uh, it's so good. Um, I also love the them kind of 
pretty much like once we leave, in my opinion, the the whole speech that Chuck gives in the in the cemetery when they're in the mausoleum was this was really good. This was when when I first watched it, when like I first got that like chill down down my spine of like, ooh, yes. something fishy's going on here because yeah. Chuck is really kind of like, when if you were looking to them, they were looking into you. I was like, oh my god, like yeah. that's that's crazy. Yeah, any interaction that uh, Chuck and Teddy have with each other is, and uh, the the doctor, um, is are are the best parts of the movie mm-hmm. because it is the the two pe- honestly the two people that care about him most uh, are. When they right. interact with him, two Absolutely. people who, uh, Doctor Colley and and Chuck, legitimately want him to do well and legitimately want him to be rehabilitated. Mm-hmm. And you have uh, these other doctors and the warden and the orderlies and the other patients who are just kind of fed up with him because he's angry and violent, and he, you know, in some cases beats him up. And which, by the by, the the guy who plays uh, George uh, Noyce. He, uh, mm-hmm. Jackie Earl Haley is the same guy that plays, he plays a bunch of different stuff, but he's the guy who plays, uh, Rorschach in, uh, The Watchmen. Oh, no way. Which is awesome. Like, you know, knowing, you know, who, who, who he, Rorschach <laughs> is such a, is such a badass character. If you haven't seen The Watchmen, go watch, you know, it's very violent, you know, if, if, if you have a hard time with that stuff, you know, but it is such a good movie, but you know, he. I'm. People are tired of him. They've been dealing with him for two years, and he's he's he just is a problem. But you have these two gentlemen who, when they're at, interacting with him, are legitimately just wanting him to, you know, to 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 slowly but surely be kind of, you know, instead of yanking him out of this cave that he's kind of put himself in and exposing him to the light and forcing him to be something, they're kind of like kind of dropping crumbs and trying to coax him out and be like hey it's safe out here it's okay like we're here to help you we want we, right. we're on your yeah. team and his just kind of refusal is what you know and you, you can see it that the moment when um when teddy kind of fake you know what i believe is him kind of faking a relapse to chuck and then chuck looks over at dr collie and nods and Dr. Kali kind of stares at him for a little bit and then kind of turns his head and looks straight for a little bit and kind of just sits there and breathes for a second, almost like, mm-hmm. I don't want to do this. I know I have to, but I don't want to do this. What can I, and he, you know, the realization there's nothing, you know, I've exhausted my chances and my resources and turns around and is like, all right, let's, let's take care of this. Um, just those interact, because they clearly want what's best for him, you know? Absolutely. Um, I do want to get to some more scenes to talk about, but while since you brought it up, um, a segment that I kind of want to introduce is what's the overall message of this movie? And what you're bringing up right now, uh, it's kind of something that I was thinking about. Could this movie be about? So, so we see that Dr. Colley and uh, Dr. Sheehan, and of course, you know, the rest of the staff, you know, play along. They go to such great lengths to try to help this guy and bring him back to reality. Mm. And ultimately, Andrew Latis still gets lobotomized. So is this movie kind of about wanting to help yourself that, you know, your friends and family, they could they could do everything in their power they can for you, but you can't accomplish what you need to unless you're willing to help yourself? Is that kind of like I, that's something I kind of got from this this uh, from this viewing recently for this podcast, 
and kind of like what you're talking about, how these two guys really seem to care about him. What do you, yeah. what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, I like that. I like I like that you take a deeper take on all these movies, Brooker. That's very refreshing. Um, I, uh, yeah, whenever, I, I agree. Just just in life, I think that you know, if 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 you know, you ever hit a point in your life where you were very, you were questioning your value or you were questioning your significance in this world, and mm-hmm. I told you, no, Brooker, you're valuable. You have you have value in this world. But you don't internalize that and allow your 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 heart and mind to kind of transform into something that is uh, realizes that you that you know because you have breath in your lungs that means you are valuable. Um, you know, unless you yourself can process that, you know, from through whatever means that you know, d- you know, depending on your background or what you believe in, whatever means you need to do that through, um, that's never gonna kind of reach reach you unless you can accept that yourself. So in that regard of like helping yourself, I think that that has a lot to do with it because unless you, unless Chuck or rather, unless Teddy can make peace with that stuff, um, he's never going to be able to find, be able to heal, be able to process, mm-hmm. you know, because it, it's hard, you know, I, we, we, we as humans, you know, at least the, the humans that generally de- like desire to do good and want, you know, want to 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 add to this life um if something bad happens in which you hurt people you know let alone people that you love like in his case his his wife and his children i mean that's hard Mm -hmm. to that's hard to let go i mean the poor guy carries that weight it's especially if yeah if you care about something strong enough it's hard to let that go so yeah i think in regards to helping yourself it is helpful for you to realize that no matter in in this case they say we know you've done wrong things but we are your friends and we want to help you so yeah I I think that you I like I like that that's a message you can take from a movie that I think for the most part people are just like man this movie has a great twist and I like it because Scorsese's awesome but like mm-hmm. there's deeper parts to it oh yeah definitely and especially with you know for even just that message about like you know helping yourself and helping others. Uh, is not only shown through his story, but also also through Dolores, his wife's story, because yeah. she she was obviously mentally ill and needed help. But Teddy was going through his own PTSD, and you know he he dealt he fell into alcoholism, and he kind of just used that as a way to escape and accepting that the hard truth that she needs help, and that's kind of right. like what led down to her whole mental break and everything and so right. kind of like that too you know just you know i i guess it's kind of showed maybe there's a balance because i think she was having these episodes that were kind of like cries for help but teddy mm-hmm. you know being her support system was was ignoring this so kind of like yes. without this balance or support system it's hard yeah. to get through anything like that yeah i agree and this was also during a time because this was in the 1950s whenever things like ptsd or you know being mm-hmm. having uh, mental disturbances or just going through you know seeking out counseling period was kind of frowned upon and i mean we're uh uh you know 60 years down the road or whatever you know 70 65 whatever oh it is God. yeah 70 yeah yeah 2020 <laughs> yeah we're that many years down the road and it's still like counseling which in all respects is uh, is such a good thing to do even if you aren't like 
you know, even if you don't have this urge to kill, like even if you wake up in the morning and you are <laughs> are sad or are going through a hard time, counseling is like a great thing to do. And people are still down on the idea of counseling where if you say out loud in your life, oh, yeah, I'm going to counseling. There's this stigma that kind of comes with it because of decades and decades and decades of, of people kind of pushing down the idea that asking for help is a good thing. And you say, oh, my gosh, you're getting a counseling. What's wrong with you? You know, like, well, nothing's wrong right, with me. I yeah. just have a lot in my past that, you know, I'm just trying to help process. And there's someone who's gone to school to help me be able to figure out what's going on in my life. And so, yeah, this it kind of it definitely fits the time where they say, hey, your wife, there's a lot going on. She set a house on fire. You know, there's she, it's a mm-hmm. it's a cry for help. There's something buried beneath those actions. And it's probably good if you figure that out. And his, you know. He he has PTSD himself, and he refuses to acknowledge that. And he's like, no, 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 no. Everything's right. everything's fine. We have a perfect family. I have three kids, and we're gonna we have a lake in our backyard, and you know, probably a white picket fence up front. Nothing's wrong, you know. And you know, yeah. for you know, you can you can yell over, you can yell over a hurt heart only for so long, because at some point it's gonna bubble over, and that's whenever your hurt can oftentimes hurt you and hurt other people so it's it's often i mean you know i th- I think this is a, a a great a great story to remind us that it's okay to ask for help that's why that's why friends exist that's why communities and tribes exist <laughs> is so you're supposed to help each other you know right right uh very true and i think and also kind of like what you're saying about you know it's okay to uh see, see counseling you know you know it's not something that should really be looked at as weird or odd because mm-hmm. they even say in the movie that uh, you know they'll they'll uh, where the the hallucination. Rachel says, "You got any past traumas, Marshall?" He goes, "Yeah." She goes, "Yeah." They'll use that against you. They say, "That's oh, of course he snapped. Who wouldn't have?" He goes, "He can say that about anyone," and that's very true. He can say yeah. that about anyone. Yeah. Um, about you know, we all got things. Um, yeah, and it's and, and the doctor, Doctor uh, Colley is trying to you know relate to Teddy as a human being. And they're saying, well, what is right? Yeah, he yeah. makes a comment about the fact that, oh yeah, they're just trying to, I mean, heavily medicate to the point of submission. You know, granted, medicine is good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's helpful, but like he he's in a comment of the fact that like we're trying to sedate these people so that they aren't a problem to us, and going so far as to say we are willing to to end their known lives if it means us getting to pick mm-hmm. pieces of their brain out of their eyeballs or whatever. Right, and that's it, just like what he says. You know, give him a pill, put him in a corner. He, and you know, he's saying what used to be a last resort is becoming a first response. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, Doctor Colley was ahead of his time. I or, or maybe I agree. that's when psychiatry was starting to change. I don't know the history of it. I yeah, I, but, I don't um, really know either. No, yeah, and yeah, treating people as people as opposed to just kind of keeping the peace. You know, it's not a matter of you know yeah. Well, right. well, well, well. Put, turn you know turn the switch off and then they won't be yelling anymore so that my ears don't hurt it's a no there's my ears hurt right. because i is somebody in pain and yeah i i agree i think dr dr collie was was very ahead of his time this is yeah you know, again 1950s and he's like they're people they're not animals and you know that's amazing yes and there's even and there's even where he shows his his humanity with um, the discussion with all the other people when uh, with all the, like, the other heads when the hurricane's coming through and mm-hmm. they're talking about what should they do with the patients like should they shackle them should they like just have it to where it, when the power goes out the the doors come unlocked and they're all saying no we should shackle them because yeah. if the power goes out 
they'll be escaped and they'll wreak havoc on us. And he's just like, can you like, could you live with that many people dying because, because of that, yeah. you know, it's, it, it, they really did a good job showing that he is not this, this, you know, mustache twist, twisting, crazy, evil doctor. You know, he, he, he wants to help people. Mm. Um, I thought, I thought that's, that's another good example of showing just how, how much that he will do to help his patients and how much of a good person he really was. Um, before moving on to, uh, uh, some last stuff, uh, was there anything that, uh, you, you wanted to add about the message of this movie or, um, anything pertaining to that? Honestly, dude, I think that you, you hit the nail on the head specific. I mean, I, 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 when I watch movies like this, specifically if it's a director that is just so incredible and, uh, uh, so well-respected in today, uh, today's movie, uh, culture, I usually look at the movie as a movie and I'm like, oh my gosh, the writing, the directing, the music, you know, the mm-hmm, acting, right. it's amazing. And it's very, I mean, f- for it, a movie like this, it's very, it's very, uh, nice to have, uh, I mean, that's why there's two people on this podcast and not one is so that you can, you can <laughs> help me to see these movies for what they are as these, I mean, there's a, a beautiful, beautiful message in, in the story, which honestly I wasn't really looking into until you mentioned it. And so my my idea of the message of this movie has been decided because of this this uh discussion <laughs> i i guarantee that every time you go back and rewatch this you're going to pick up like like five more things every time you watch oh, it i've sure. i first saw this movie when i was in high school and i watched this all the time in undergrad mm. like i i would like have it on i'm like one of those people that needs to have like, just something on the background when i'm working right um and I would just pop this movie on this movie on if I was working like on like on an essay or something. So like I've seen this movie so many times and even like the the other night when I rewatched it for this, I still picked up more right. stuff. So like it, your your thoughts will always change sometimes. Well not change, but like you always pick up more things that like support your own totally. theories. Totally. Uh <laughs> but um the before uh kind of moving to some of our final thoughts. Um, I want to I want to bring up uh, one more scene that I just loved from this movie oh. is the first dream sequence we get. So this is their first night on the island, mm. and Teddy goes to sleep and he has this dream about Dolores, and it's such a very deep and complex, crazy dream. He uh, this is when they're in the apartment, and the apartment's on fire, but yeah, it's this dream really does a good job at like laying out what happened mm-hmm. so it starts off with them on either side of the hall and she's yelling at him about drinking and she's holding a glass of booze and he's walking towards her and as soon as he gets up to her uh the glass of booze is gone so showing how alcohol caused a distance uh between them both emotionally and physically with them being on opposite ends of the hall but when they're together the booze is gone mm. um kind of showing how he was an alcoholic and uh, when he's holding her, saying he misses her, before she catches on fire, he holds her abdomen. And right before she starts bleeding, where the bullet wound would have been, water starts pouring out yeah. of it before the blood. And it's kind of just like, uh, there's all these subtle hints. And, of course, the apartment, which, if you notice, this, this, this is their apartment, not that lake house. So this apartment catches on fire, which is what she did. But if you look outside the window, it's the lake house where his family ended. 
And it's just like, this is such a crazy dream sequence. I love it. Oh yeah, dude. I, I agree. I think that's the best. Uh, I think that's the best dream sequence we got uh, in the movie. And it, cause it's complex and it's detailed and her, it almost kind of feels like his two different ideas of what happened or it, like his oppressing his memories and his actual memories are fighting with each other where it's the reality of that. It's the water that is kind of destroyed her, but he, she has a, the charred back because he's like, no, no, no. It was the fire. It was the fire. It was the fire that killed her. But then mm-hmm, she melts mm-hmm. in water. It's like, oh, it's the water. And like, no, no, no. But around me, it's all fire. Yeah, but she was water. Yeah, but so it's kind of this yeah. this battle, which I yeah, I exactly was really, right. Really good. It's yep. it's so it's it so good. deep and so good. Um, and also, I love the song that's being played in this. It's "Cry" by Johnny Ray. Yeah. Uh, and I think Scorsese likes this song a lot too because he also plays this song in The Irishman. Oh, nice. Uh, but it, it's, it's just so good. Um, all right, so final thoughts. Uh, I love this mm. movie. I know it tackles a very dark, sad story, but I still think it's a lot of fun. Deserves multiple rewatches. Mm. Uh, um, so this this is probably gonna be an easy question yeah. but does this should this movie have a sequel uh <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna say no i think that it not because it wasn't a good movie i'm sure that if they made a sequel it would it would be fine uh but i i think if they made a sequel it would have to be a prequel or something or some other patient or maybe yeah Mar- maybe hard. mark ruffalo's character yeah, uh if- or something yeah, I obviously I have to, I have to agree. There should not be a sequel because a sequel would kind of really ruin the whole, you know, if you have any sort of lingering questions about what actually happens at the yeah. end, a sequel would kind of ruin that. Um, I'm trying to think of a creative way you could do a sequel or you know, or maybe not a sequel, but what if like we got some like spin-offs of like uh, we saw some side missions that we didn't see. I would love to see Chuck and Teddy just go to the mainland and solving other crimes together. Oh, like, but that's something completely different. Like that's something completely different. Like he's in his, uh, like he's in his like room and he's thinking about like I'm a U.S. I'm a U.S. marshal. You got to let me out of here. But oh. then we go into his brain and he's having these thoughts about him and Chuck on wild and crazy adventures. But then it ends with him still in the room. I could see that. Oh, uh, you know who I want? Yeah, I want the uh, I want the Mrs. Kern story. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. I mean, okay, so like. That that whole, the way that she represented herself, like, yes, she committed a crime, and I get that. And that feels very much like 1950s psychiatric ward, like, she killed her husband, she's clearly insane. I mean, she committed murder, so she should go to jail, obviously, but it was like, a, he was cheating on me, and so I approached him, and I killed him. And she seemed like what it was is she did something horribly wrong, but she didn't seem like she was insane. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no. She it, that's something even Chuck brought up. Was like Miss Kearns, you don't mind me saying, but like you seem pretty normal. Yeah. And you know, she said that you know, and she also said that her husband was physically abusive to her. Right, as well, that too. So yeah, totally. Lots of things. Totally. And she, I think, th- I think she did slip in in there saying that she does hear voices in her head. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, well, it's all adding up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you mentioned this uh, to me whenever, uh, briefly, whenever we were talking about doing this movie and just, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio and what have you. Uh, and I'm sure you're about to ask this question. Where do you think that this movie ranks as far as our Leonardo DiCaprio 
uh, performances. Like how, how for, for you, you know, granted, you know, he won an Oscar for the Revenant, blah, blah, blah. Like, do you think that mm-hmm. how, for you personally, how does this rank? I mean, I haven't seen every, I've seen a lot of this movies, but I haven't seen every single one, but I mean, this movie has to be up yeah. there. I mean, at least with the movies I've seen, I would probably, I might rank this at the top. Uh, I've recently seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which highly I haven't seen it. Haven't it seen looks. It. I, I mean, I'm a big Tarantino fan, so I I need to watch it. I recommend that. Uh, and his his performance in that was really good. And I think it's like a it's a I think it's kind of like a sneaky good because like, you don't realize how many. Again, there's a lot of layers to that too because he's an actor playing an actor who's messing up his lines, and it's kind of like there's like all these levels to it. And it's like oh, like I don't know. It's just good. Um, but it's. I think that this is this might be people might disagree with me that this is his best performance, but I'm going to go and say that like this is my favorite Leo movie. I think, and it, for me, it beats Inception, which is saying a lot. Yeah, for me, because that's like one. Of my yeah, I love movies. Inception. is very very good. I so I, I looking at the list of all the movies he's in, I'm realizing how many of his movies I have not seen. Uh, I know I. I saw just for the the top part because he you know he plays roles in in a bunch of different stuff. Um, I I did see The Great Gatsby. Uh, I I need to see What's Eating Gilbert Great mm-hmm. because that apparently is a really great movie. I've seen Romeo and Juliet. That was fine. Shutter Island's up there for me. I own the movie The Departed and I have not seen it. I'll probably watch it this week just because Ooh, I've heard it's amazing. Buddy. Um, yeah. I have not seen the Rev. Get ready for a oh, ride. Oh, I've, I've heard. Uh, I haven't seen The Revenant, but I've heard it's good. Um, I, uh, you know, he's done so many great performances. From what I've heard about The Revenant, they were like, yeah, he did amazing, but he does amazing in like all of his movies, and he probably should have won earlier. Um, I, uh, Inception, he was amazing. Titanic, he was also really, really good. For me, I think it's close. Uh, from what I have seen, I'm sure Once Upon a Time. Or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is up there, and I'm sure that if I see like The Aviator or, or, or uh, you know, mm-hmm. all... what about a Django and Chain? you're gonna hate me for this. I that I have not seen that movie either. Weirdly enough, I know I'm a big. I love oh, dude, I love Tarantino, good. and that's for some good. reason, I just have not gotten around to watching um, Django Unchained, which apparently is like one of Tarantino's best. But I've seen I've seen most of the rest of them. I really like Catch Me If You Can. Have you seen Catch Me If You Can? I've seen parts of it. Uh, I I haven't seen the whole thing. I've like caught it like on TV like one afternoon. So I haven't. Seen I really enjoyed that movie. And what I saw, yeah, was good. I thought that was a really really good movie. I really liked DiCaprio in that. But uh, from what I've seen, I would probably say, you know what? Yeah, I'll put on the record that I think his best performance is Shutter Island. I think that was really really good. But Catch Me If You Can is real great, and I still need to see like The Departed and um, The Revenant. And I've seen the clip of him and Django and Chain where he like destroys his hand for smashing the glass like everybody talks about that scene but yeah this is one of his you know uh uh, trying to be as 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 unbiased as possible i would say this is in his top five for sure but biasly i think it's his number one or number two what's also crazy about thinking about leonardo dicaprio shutter island and inception came out the same year what the big year for him yeah i thought shutter island was older than that no, they both came out in 2010. Ten, dude, it's been 10 years since dude, this movie. the Inception. fact that 2010 was 10 years ago does not make sense to me. I feel old, and I'm not that old. My knees hurt. 
<laughs> I'm very, very aware oh, of my boy. knees. Well, any... <laughs> yes, my knees are hurting. I'm not that old, Brooker. I'm, I'm not that aware. old. <laughs> I'm very aware of how much I need to pee right now. Um... <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Uh, any final thoughts on Shutter Island? Are you going to rewatch it? Uh, is this going to be? Are you going to put this in your regular rotation? Shoot, man, I might watch it again. I mean, in the next Should. couple of days, it was a really good movie, and uh, I I yeah. watch this movie a couple times a year. It's so good. Good for you, dude. You're very good about keeping movies consistent in your in your life. I I. It drives my girlfriend up the fucking wall. Really? <laughs> Where she's like, we watched that. Because I always, because I always just like rewatch stuff. She's like, oh my god, we've seen this like a million times. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, but it's so good. We I'm just like, watched it. Yeah. Blown away by this. Brooker, we watched Revenge of the Sith three times this week. Let it go. No, babe, we gotta keep going. <laughs> Oh my god, she hates me for Scream. Like she, mm-hmm. I've like because I watch Scream like once a month, and she is just like, "Oh my god, I am so sick of this movie." That's so funny, dude. So I have to like watch it by myself. That is so uh, funny. So, yep, Shutter Island. Shutter Island's amazing. If you if you listen to this podcast and you haven't seen it, go just go watch it. It's so good. Go watch it and go read the book too. The book is good, and it's also an audio book. So that's actually how I read it. I listened to the audio. There you go. So yeah, yeah, go do that. It's a lot of fun. There you go. All right. Uh, so we've been. This has been Brooker and Levi on Film on the Rocks. Uh, go ahead and reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, we've been pretty active on there lately. So thanks everyone who's been you know liking us, liking the show, and Mm. we've been getting so many good reviews lately. Mm. Uh, So so nice to hear. But if there's anything we can do to help, let us know. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Google Plus, or well, not Google Plus. <laughs> you can find us on Spotify. <laughs> oh my Disney god! Disney Plus. Okay, you can find us on. <laughs> you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, um, and if you want to reach out to us with a comment or question, you can reach out to us on Twitter or our email fotrpodcast at gmail.com. We will see y'all in a couple weeks with our next movie. Don't know what it is, but stay tuned on social media. We'll let you know. All right. (laughs) Bye, guys. Thanks for listening.